0: You are listening to The Stender with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit JcastNetwork.org. Over the past few weeks, we've been talking about this theme, talking about this idea uh, that's expressed uh, in the Torah portion a few weeks ago. Uh, the phrase, Asuli Make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. And we've been talking about this on a number of different levels. In the contextual level, the phrase is talking about a physical building, a physical structure that the children of Israel are supposed to make as they sojourn in the wilderness on the way from Egypt to the promised land. But our tradition reads that passage somewhat expansively. That when God says, Make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them, God is not only talking about a historical moment and a physical building that the Israelites may build that may be a reminder of God's presence uh, among them, but also that if each of us make our each of us have the capacity to make ourselves into sanctuaries and god may dwell in our midst in the midst of us each of us as human beings and we can also the tradition says build a world in which god is made able to dwell Build me, make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. In other words, transform the world that we live in into a structure fit for God's presence to dwell. And what does it mean for God's presence to dwell on earth? Why is that important? Why is that worthwhile? Well, if you believe in the affirmation of our tradition, that god is an embodiment of the oneness of the unity that underlies all of reality that binds me and you together and all other human beings and everything else that exists that making this world a place that's fit for god to dwell means returning this world to the state of unity and oneness that is at its core an expression of what god is And God, in a similar fashion, is Adon HaShalom, we say, the master of peace. And that making this world a sanctuary for the Divine Presence to dwell is making this world a place in which God's wholeness and peace permeates every aspect of our being and every aspect of our reality. And so when when the Torah teaches, make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them, and our tradition says that God yearns for an avenue, an uh, an outlet to dwell in this world, this lower world. And we have the capacity to build a world in such a way that enables God's presence to come into our lives and come into our world. On a fundamental level, it's talking about building a world that is filled with unity and peace. At In our Torah portion this week, there's something of a mystery. Because the portions from several weeks ago through the end of Exodus almost entirely deal with the construction of this physical sanctuary. With one small detour into the story of the golden calf, which is a whole other can of worms. But our Torah portion this week even though it eventually, after the first few passages, gets into the construction of the tabernacle again, it mysteriously opens with the following passage. And you can see it on your page. Moses then convoked the whole Israelite community. Convoked is a word that we don't get to use a lot, and I appreciate the opportunity to. Moses then, that means gathered, he gathered the whole Israelite community and said to them, These are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. On six days work may be done, but on the seventh day you shall have a Shabbat, a Sabbath of complete rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall kindle no fire throughout your settlements on the Sabbath day. So in the midst of this discussion about the tabernacle, we get the commandment to observe Shabbat and Not only to welcome in and honor the Shabbat as being holy, but to refrain from work on Shabbat. And then it continues back with the the construction of the tabernacle. Moses said further to the whole community of Israelites, this is what the Lord has commanded. Take from among you gifts to the Lord. Everyone whose heart so moves him shall bring them gifts for the Lord, gold, silver, and copper. And let all among you who are skilled come and make all that the Lord has commanded. And then we have description after description of people coming forward and bringing their gifts and constructing the tabernacle. But the commentators uh, who view the Torah as an entirely intentional document, that there's no happenstance in the Torah, things don't just happen to appear there. So they see this passage dealing with Shabbat connected directly to the construction of the tabernacle and they ask themselves why. Why does the Torah get into this whole thing about Shabbat when what it's really talking about is constructing the tabernacle? And they say two things. The first is that the categories of labor that one is forbidden from participating in on Shabbat are the categories of labor involved in constructing the tabernacle. So the Mishnah, the uh, great rabbinic work of uh, Jewish law, says that there are 39 of those kinds of labor, 39 categories of labor that were involved in the construction of the tabernacle of the sanctuary that one is not allowed to participate in on Shabbat. The phrase that's in the portion itself that one may kindle no fire on Shabbat is one of those labors, but also in some way symbolizes all of it. We use fire to engage in human industry both the construction of our societies, the production of things, the energy we need to fuel our economies and our lives and our stomachs, and also to fuel our industries and machineries of war. And so each of the categories of labor on Shabbat are basically substrata of that prohibition on fire. They prohibit all of the creative human endeavors and human activities. Commerce, food preparation, farming, industry. And because one man's tool is another man's weapon, all of those categories of labor also prohibit one from engaging in the production of weapons of war and engaging in warfare on Shabbat. That was a matter of some debate, just as an aside, in Jewish history about whether one could engage in warfare on Shabbat, but the rabbis of the Talmud came strongly down on the side of warfare being prohibited on Shabbat, and and they asked, for example, can a person go out uh, on Shabbat wearing uh, his uh, sword? And uh, they said, no. And then a rabbi objects and says, but their sword is a decoration for the person. And the rabbi said, no upright human being considers a sword decoration. And so the laws of Shabbat are crafting, think about that for a second, are crafting a, a moment in time, a moment in the week, a moment in our lives when none of us are engaged in the creative, productive endeavors that we spend all the rest of the time of our lives participating in. We don't cook, we don't do business, we don't light fires, we don't produce things. And the idea is that you have everything taken care of for yourself before Shabbat even begins. So that the day of Shabbat is a day of plenty, a day where nobody wants for anything, a day in which even our homes are open to all people who come and want to participate in the beauty and joy of Shabbat. So there's uh, the opening Mishnah talking about Shabbat um, is about the idea of not being able to carry in and out of our homes on Shabbat. And it presents an image of a person who owns his home and a poor person standing outside and talking about all the ways in which the person in the home can't give something to the poor person outside of the home. And the subtle message of that Mishnah is because the point of Shabbat is not for the person who has the home to reach out of his window and give something to the poor person. The point of Shabbat is for the person who has the home to open up his doors so the poor person can come in and enjoy Shabbat as well. Shabbat is inviting us to create a society, to create a community with no borders, no boundaries, no property, harmony, peace, and plenty. And even more than that, because Shabbat is a time in which warfare is prohibited. A society that engages in Shabbat can't use weapons, can't engage in the machinery and the machinations of war. It becomes evident that it is no happenstance that this Law of Shabbat appears where we're being told, make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among you. Because the subtle message the Torah is giving us is that the way to make a world that is fit for the indwelling of a divine presence of unity, wholeness, and peace is through everything that Shabbat embodies. Which is why the rabbis of the Midrash say, Rabbi Levi said, if Israel would observe Shabbat properly, even for one day, the Son of David, the Messiah, would come. Why? Because Shabbat is the equivalent of all the other commandments combined. If all of Israel, and let's take it a step further, if all humanity observed Shabbat, just for one day, think about what the world would look like. There would be no want, No hunger, no injustice, no disparity, no divisions, no warfare. And the language of the Midrash is that the Messiah would come, but the message is that we wouldn't need the Messiah to come. The Messianic era would already be here. We would have built it just by all of us observing Shabbat for that one day. And as if that weren't enough from Yochanan says, the Holy Blessed One says to Israel, even though I have set a fixed date for the end, the Messiah is going to come whenever it's going to come, regardless of whether or not you repent, it will come at its appointed time. If you repent, even for one day, I will bring it ahead of time. Repenting in this context means you turn around and start living a life of Torah. You do all the commandments. That's the meaning of today if you listen to God's voice. And just as we know that the Son of David, the Messiah, will come when Israel performs all the commandments, the Son of David will come on account of observing Shabbat just for one day, because Shabbat is the equivalent of all the other commandments combined. The way to build a world that is a sanctuary for a divine presence of unity, wholeness, and peace is to each of us as individuals and all of us collectively as community to commit to the principles embodied in the commandments of Shabbat observance, to build a society in which there is no division, no hunger, no want, and that is permeated with peace, a society in which warfare and strife cease and in which a great peace embraces the whole world. And then we will have the privilege of the liberating joy of Shabbat, of truly tasting its delights. May we be undisturbed by sorrow during these holy Shabbat hours. Fill our hearts with gladness, for to you, Lord, we offer our entire being. Help us to expand the dimensions of all Shabbat's pleasures, to extend its spirit to the other days of the week. Show us the path of life, the fullness of your presence, and the bliss of being close to you forever. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be acceptable to you, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. May the one who brings peace to the universe bring peace to us and all people Israel and all humanity. let us say, Shabbat Shalom.